0: good father that's who abba is so this morning i know you're gonna look at my notes and you are go this is crazy we're gonna go around the clock isn't that kind of fun i just thought i just you know i can be creative and i just so we're gonna so there's not a lot of there's a few blanks to fill in and we're gonna start at the at the 12 o'clock okay everybody got me that's point one but i didn't number them on purpose you're a good father dave challenged us once again to be in the proverbs challenge and I pray as I have been this month, reading through the Proverbs once again, and then I'll do it in July. If you haven't started yet, please start today with Proverbs 18, tomorrow 19. Finish the month, and then July, we'll still be in the study. You can start with Proverb 1, the Father. I, I was reading a book a while back, Charles Stanley, Wisdom from Above, and he did this devotional book on the Proverbs, and I was very intrigued by it. Listen to this. He goes, The Lord wants to be your heavenly father and will walk you through life in a profoundly intimate way. He wants to love, teach, and provide for you faithfully, for you to rely upon him as a trusting child relies on a strong, wise, and godly dad. Yet the Lord has gone to great lengths to provide an ongoing intimate bond with us that transcends our earthly relationships. Our earthly dads may reject us, as we've heard about today, and cause us pain. They might not but not God he is always there and he always has time for us how many of you are grateful this morning for your heavenly abba amen i was thinking about you over there michelle is your dad's in poor health and praying i was praying for him just a moment ago and you and that sweet relationship that you have and i was thinking about my friend across the street i want you to know about david harris david is not long for this world he's not doing well he's a he's a dad and we will pray for uh, David in these days, okay? But uh, I was thinking about a godly father. What does a godly father do? Well, number one, a godly father, it's the obvious, duh, he loves God. He loves the Father. You heard that in some of the video clips, this is, they were saying, my dad helped point me to the Father. My dad modeled Christ for me. He was godly in Christ. Did you, not, did you notice not one person said, my dad is perfect, <laughs> especially if my girls went, man, my dad, he knows how to blow it. How many of you, if you're a dad and you know how to blow it, would you hold your hand up with me now? And aren't you proud that you held your hand up? No, I mean, you're just not. A godly father, you know what a godly father does? And I'm going to get in all these different Proverbs as we kind of expositionally walk through Proverbs. A godly father should always love his wife, should love the mom of the kids, he just loves and honors her and treasures her and blesses her and then a godly father he treasures and loves his kids and i look around you and uh many that aren't here today and you that are here that stormed through the storm and the weather we're grateful you're here but you think about your your dad he loves kids what a joy i heard a thing this morning i thought was really good there's this professional football player forget his name and he just wrote a book about being a dad just in the little clip I saw I thought was good, and he said something, and I like this. I want you to write it down. I, if I'd have heard this early, I'd have written it down, I'd have put it in the notes, and I'd give him this guy credit. Oh, I don't know, he's just some pro football player. But listen to this. He goes, a dad, his kids, he should be a son's hero, the dad, and his daughter's first love. And I thought about that. That was what I purposed to do as I had the joy of raising our little girls was I was wanted to be their first love. Now, it. they traded me in. <laughs> and they found the love of their life, and I'm grateful. One is my son-in-law that leads worship, and I love him deeply. And my other one is Will, and I love him deeply. And I know you're praying for that. You're saying, man, I've got a son-in-law, and I don't like him. Well, oh, come see me this week, okay? Or you're saying, well, I love my son-in-law, or I love this person in my family. I'm grateful for them. You know, a godly father is always trying to model God, but it's, it's hard to do that. I mean, when you model the perfect one, there are going to be flaws. So this morning, I'm going to talk about dad some, but then we're going to talk about the Proverbs, and we're going to walk through this, and we're going to see maybe a dad that was effective and maybe a dad that wasn't so good. And as we're looking at the Proverbs, we know that most of the Proverbs were penned by a man named Solomon, wisest man that walked on the earth next to Jesus. And he had a dad that was a warrior, and his name was King David. And David was not a flawless man. David was such a sinner that he had committed great sin, sexual sin, adultery, murder, cover-up, the works. And because of that, David and Bathsheba had a son that the Lord took, and that child did not live. But there was repentance in the life of David, and God went on to bless him and Bathsheba with other kids. And one of the kids was Solomon. Solomon. And as I did more and more study this week, I've been reading the Proverbs for decades, but as I was studying in this, I became aware, I kept seeing it over and over as I would look and read different commentators and see different things. It said that Solomon probably was a mother's boy, a mama's boy. Now, that's not something us men want to be, you're a mama's boy, you're kind of soft, you're kind of tender. But there's a place for that, and that's good. It's great that his mom had an influence on his life. But I want you to look here in Proverbs chapter 4. Open your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 4, and look at verse 1. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. Right across the top of your notes, I did it from the New Living, and it says, my children, listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment. It's always good to get the attention of the younger generation. You know, that's part of the job, the role of a dad, is he is there to model, to direct, to lead, to serve, to provide, to guide, and to get your attention. How many times, I know I heard this when I was coming up, they'd go, and my mom was pretty strong, and my stepmom, she was real strong, but my dad, they said, your dad's coming home. i go, oh, no, because when my dad came home, he got my attention. Do I have a witness? Say amen. Wait a minute. You didn't have my dad? If you got your attention, say amen. amen. I still remember that bad beating I got one time. It was a beating, okay? We had a crab apple tree in the backyard. We lived over in Dal Rada and you could grow rocks. My, my mom had a green thumb, and, uh, and just so we had all kinds of magnolia in the front and a big crab apple. And I remember one day, my mom, I don't know where she got this, but she was into switches. Now, if you don't know about switches, switches are, Charles, you got a few (laughs) switches? Yeah. And uh, and my mom says, Keith, I want you to go out and I want you to cut a switch and bring it back to me. I came back in the house, it wasn't that big. I said, Mom, I want to be obedient here. This is for you. I'm eight years old, okay, maybe seven. And she looked at me, she said, son that's not what I'm talking about I said I'll go get another one because I was afraid what she'd get and I went out there and I got her one and she switched me well one day I remember she goes it's switching time see you gotta remember I was bad I was what are you laughing about Dan I bet you got some switching too and so I so I went out there and my mom says right, "I I got I got a switch for you and, and 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 she says I'm gonna switch you and I said no you're not you, you don't tell your mama no I said, oh no, ma'am. I said, ma'am. I said, I thought that was Grace, like, ma'am. I said, no, ma'am. She goes, no, you're getting a whipping. I said, I said, tell you what, I'm climbing this tree. You climb up here and get me. Man. And all I know is I stayed up there for about two and a half hours. But she called my dad. And when my dad came up, I still do you know that beating? I mean that whipping was a long time ago. And I still remember my dad pulling in the driveway and he jumped out of the car and he looked up and he said, Boy, now down. Because I knew my dad, he would cut the tree down, he'd get there, he uh, and I came down and I now I got a beating then. I didn't you know it was a beating. But you know what I learned? You respect your mama. Why are y'all laughing about? That? that cost me a lot, man. That was a hard lesson to learn. But you get the. but here here's what i think solomon's trying to say he's trying to get the attention of the son and for us as we lead this as we make it applicable god wants to get our attention and sometimes it takes correction and discipline and different things but move on down here i give you sound understanding verse 2 and so you do not forsake my teaching when i was a boy verse 3 in my father's house still tender and only a child of my mother he taught me and said lay hold of my words with all your heart keep my commandments and you will live you know god forewarned us and let us know if we wanted to live a long life we should honor our parents we should obey them so it's kind of neat that some kids are in here today because they're getting to hear this reinforcement and mom and dad's like yes we'll bring them here every week but i want to i want you to fill in the first one very across the top get wisdom get understanding and that's what solomon says get it get wisdom no, let me say it again. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Pursue it. Go for it. It is critical to a life well lived. And he's saying, David to Solomon, An accumulation of information is good, but it's only knowledge. But I want you to go a step farther. I want you to make application. I want you to be wise. This whole thing's about wise words. God wants us to be wise, so he gives us precepts and commandments and instructions and and principles from his word to live by and so god we want to look to you we want to trust you and here's what's amazing the world we live in i mean years ago they said information's doubling every 10 years i don't know how fast uh, is doubling itself now probably almost Jeremy, do you know that i should have asked you i should does anybody know how fast information is replicating itself now Fast. (laughs) fast okay that's a good answer, Rob Glenn. And, uh, but it, it, it just unbelievable. I mean, there's no way, you, but you, you go and you gain. And in the church of Jesus Christ, people want Bible knowledge. And I'm all for reading your Bible and getting Bible knowledge and having Bible classes because I think we live in a society that's pretty biblically ignorant. And so we, we, need, we need knowledge. But it's not just enough to have uh, to Uh, Amass this information in our lobe and just keep it there. God says, I want you to live it out. I want you to put it into practice. So look at the second one. Let's move around the clock. Do not abandon wisdom. The scripture there in verse 6, let's look down there. Do not forsake wisdom. Do not abandon wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Wisdom is our friend. I think wisdom ultimate godly wisdom comes from above the bible says if you lack wisdom you ask god and for us we need to always be asking god give me wisdom i think about how many times i ask god lord i don't know how to do that lord would you come and give me some insight on my prayer walks on a daily basis i'm out walking and i'll just cry out lord would you just give me some insight i'm about to go into the study I need some revelation today, God. I need something to feed your people. I need something to give them, maybe to encourage them, to inspire them, to motivate them from the precious, eternal, infallible Word of God. I need to lay it out there. But, God, we need to hear from you. And the church said, and you know what? I pray you don't go. We'll start praying that for you. Well, Please do. But pray that for your life, that you ask God for wisdom. Guys, I say this a lot, but I'm so concerned as I'm aging up and And some of you are aging up too. And, well, hopefully all of you are aging up. And if you're not, you're dead. Okay, but as we age, it scares me how people have departed from the word of the Lord. The, the, The scripture says, do not depart from this book. Amen? Guys, I love this word. I mean, I want you to love it. I want you to hide it in your heart, as the psalmist said. And I'll hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Don't abandon wisdom. Now Solomon, Solomon was probably telling, David was telling his son Solomon, but Solomon was probably telling a son of his named Rehoboam. And Rehoboam, he's saying, take wisdom, my son, as the man takes a bride. Invite her, invite wisdom into your life. Treasure, be attentive to it. And Solomon as we read in history, he had a lot of flaws in his reign on earth. But one thing is, as he sat on the throne of Israel, it it was at least together. But after the reign of King Solomon, never would it be together like that again. And Rehoboam would uh, ascribe to the the throne, and he would be... uh, the last one to sit on their united kingdom and you see solomon had a master had developed this thing he had a high taxation upon the people so the people thought when rehoboam comes into power things are going to be easier Things are, are going to be less than they were with old King Solomon. But instead, they, the people grew disillusioned and, and things were hard. And after Solomon's death, King Rehoboam, listen to Scripture, he took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon, his father, while he was yet alive. That's 1 Kings twelve six. You can go there and read into 1 Kings and you see more about Rehoboam and his reign and how, how it wasn't really so good. And in Rehoboam's uh, taxation, he also forced labor on the people. So they really wanted to dispose of this king. They weren't so crazy about him. And he met with the old men. And he wanted to seek. And listen to what they told him. If you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them, when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. But King Rehoboam said, yeah, I could do that but I'm going to go to my peers, to my contemporaries, and I'm going to listen to their counsel. And he began to listen to their counsel, and it didn't go so well. So instead of listening to them, he listened to his friends instead. And they gave him bad counsel that would lead the kingdom to being ripped into two separate nations, says the word of God. So he, King Rehoboam listened to the friends of his youth. And all I'm saying is God has created us that we can get wisdom from our peers. That's not what I'm saying. But also God's given us elders and he's given us older people in our life and we should listen to them. But King Rehoboam wasn't so good about that, so he ignored the godly counsel that God had set up for him and he followed his friends and the kingdom didn't fare so well. So there's just a principle here that I want you and I to get today. God, drive wisdom in my heart. Lord, drive me to pursue you and your heart and wisdom and help me to model, help me to go after you. Lord, would you become the center of my family? Could my life orbit? Could it revolve around you? Guys, that's all, all I'm saying. I'm sitting there and I'm watching Bethany. I'm watching Drew. And as I watched that, I saw what happened for them. They had parents. They had a dad that revolved that centered that focused their life on jesus christ and that was their example and then they modeled that to their kids and i got to tell you i look at those two adults and i go glory to god don't you i mean man, i serve on bethany's board at save a life and i tell you she's an amazing young woman of faith and a leader and drew i'm watching him and one day we're gonna go to the movies and there's gonna be a disney film and we are have to look really fast because it's gonna be about three thousand credits and it's gonna go animator drew wombo and i'm gonna go add follower of jesus or, or tim's gonna go that's my boy i mean you know it's just it's just awesome man they've, they've had this example and that's what Um, Solomon or David tried to do for Solomon and Solomon tried to do for Rehoboam and it didn't work so well. So let's keep going here. Proverbs 26. I'm going to jump out of the four. It asks a sobering question. But a faithful man, who can find? And I just started thinking about that this week. God, I want to be faithful. Lord, I want our church to be faithful. I want my friends to be faithful. Faithfulness is influential faithfulness is you got your faithful father so men today i think it's just a wake-up call just to encourage us to aspire to push to motivate us to be godly men our wives need us to be godly men would you agree women no women wives you need us to be godly men good children you need us to be godly men yeah 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 okay your church needs you to be godly yes your business needs you to be godly oh my goodness yes your community your nation needs you to be godly in christ jesus you know righteous the bible says righteousness exalts a nation and we depart from righteousness so goes the nation When righteousness lifts up a family, that family is blessed and it's right before the Lord. But when they choose to follow their own counsel, their own path, it didn't ever work out so well. It just goes the other way. A pastor named David T. Moore said this in a book called Five Lies. The heart of every little boy and girl lies within a father's hands. Every broken promise, every abusive word tears a hole that never may be it just scares me about the the power of your words and my words uh, and in several weeks i'm going to talk some about our speech because the proverbs is so full of that i know as i was reading Psalm, uh, proverbs 17 yesterday i was reading proverbs 18 today it continued to talk about our speech so that's another topic for another day but move here with me number three let's move down to thing be teachable that's what god's trying to say i just want you to be teachable You know there's something about having a teachable spirit man people love to bring people onto their team they like to have people around them uh teachers love to have teachable students that can be molded and shaped and develop who they are they have a readiness to grow they have a readiness for uh in the the church of god to have spiritual insight in hebrew training the training started very early in the home. You know, I've told you before, uh, the kids would go to rabbi school, and the ones that weren't so smart, they got kicked out of rabbi school. That's another story for another day. But they would they would memorize the Torah, and they would meditate, and they would chew on the Word of God. And, and it, I would love to be able to just go back for a, an afternoon or something and listen to the conversations of the little Jewish boys running around the community. But they showed that their father's goal was to reflect, to to model to show what the father was like the heavenly father that was the goal of him so lord help us to build sound doctrine i want you to write down just in your notes proverbs 17 10 a rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool see if i say the word roi do you know what i'm saying return on investment investment and that's what it means when we're teachable, we can have a very high return on the investment that God deposits and makes in us or that our teachers make into us. So as I was thinking about there, there's a kind of a, a five-point quiz here. And so you might want to write some of these down if you, if you care or not, just listen. Number one, a teachability meter. You know you're teachable when people can give you input. Uh, people can converse with you. They can speak into your life and you just readily receive that input, but nobody wants to risk, if you're not teachable and you just have a big meltdown, I mean, people are like running from there. They're like, man, I, I, I can't handle that. It, it, it's just so hard. So, you know, you you just like, man, I'm going a different direction. The second one is you know you're teachable when you see measurable growth and character development is a result there's just a there's just growth there's there's a process there's a conforming there's a there's a shaping uh there's uh, there's just good character going on it's what we want for our kids it's what god wants for us the third you know you're teachable when you don't have to answer a critic with a defense now i gotta tell you this is the one i struggle with i am uh, <clears throat> verbose loquacious of mouth and and uh and 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 i have this nature i know i have to die to it and maybe some of you do or don't but when you have a defensive nature if you're not careful you you keep people from correcting you because they know you're going to come with a defense so god wants us to not be so defensive that maybe when people more mature or they're farther down the road spiritually or they can help us that we would listen to them and there would be an open heart what, what they might teach us the fourth one is this You may know you're teachable when you don't have to criticize back. (laughs) Like, you know, if somebody criticizes you, then you think, hmm, I need a pun. I need to to come back on them. How dare them challenge me? Or we're thinking, how can I frame this in a way that would uh, put them in place? Where it might be that they're just so concerned about our own soul. They're concerned about our spiritual growth. They're concerned about our development. And the fifth one, you know you're teachable when you're learning new ways to grow. You just go. You know what? I just want to. I want to grow in Christ. I, I want to become like Him. Uh, maybe I want to journal. Maybe I want to read the New Testament uh, every ninety days this year. I'm just going to go through the New Testament, so you can read the New Testament quickly in ninety days. So that means you could read the New Testament four times in one year. If you just said this year, or, or maybe, and I would say continue to major on the Word, but it might be this year I'm going to read some spiritual Christian books <clears throat> that will uh, be a supplement to helping me to grow in the grace of Christ. And you're going to say, God, I want to grow. Uh, because an answer always to foolishness is wisdom. So here's the, here's the whole thesis for the, or premise for the series. Let's be wise. God If I'm going to be wise, if my friends are going to be wise, then we've got to take your word. Lord, we're going to ask you to make deposits into us because, Lord, somehow as your word begins to work in here and it begins to transform this mind and it begins to renew this mind and, and, Lord, you begin to speak to me about my speech and my tongue and my eyes and my heart and my attitude and my actions, God, I'm going to be new. How many people want to be new this summer? I mean, everybody in here is like, yeah, man, dude, here, I'm going to hold his hand up. like He needs to be new. I think it only happens through the power of Christ. So move move down here. So wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Verse seven. Uh, look there in uh, verse fourteen. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Here it is. I, I wanted to listen to the message from last weekend. I didn't hear one word of it. We had recording problems, and I- I'd asked Jeff to preach on temptation. I'm sure he did a good job. But here- here's what I'd say in that verse right there, verse fourteen. Flee, run depart get away from i mean every one of us the bible says we're enticed we're drawn away by our own evil desires that lurk within our own heart and when those temptations when those sin begins to present itself god says run flee uh the holy spirit puts up road signs have you ever noticed that that the holy spirit puts up road signs for us he does and one of the greatest way i get road signs is through his word that he's just going Keith. If you'll do this, if you won't do this, if you'll focus on my word, you could avoid strife. You could avoid some sin. You could, you could avoid some misery and pain. But don't follow me and drawn away. Get baited, and when you get baited, uh, that desire leads to what death. And God says, "Man, I want you to be victorious. You got legs? Then walk." You got eyes, then maybe close them. Maybe, maybe not when you're driving. Maybe maybe turn, maybe flee. You, you, you see the whole concept. Mo- look at the fourth one. That's right there in the middle, there at six o'clock. Pursue spiritual growth. I think I've been talking about that a lot as I've been walking through this with us together, that God's goal is for you and me to grow in faith and holiness, to grow into the image and to the character of Jesus. And, and Lord, so... Uh, if that's your goal then lord i need i need understanding i need i need to get under remember the first one i need to get understanding i need to get wisdom lord i need that so lord help me to grow so here's my prayer for us this summer is that we're growing yes we're getting more knowledge oh i pray you get knowledge every day but i pray you move past knowledge to practicing to uh, application that's what god wants for us I mean, it's the joy of the Christian life, applying, it brings heart uh, joy to him. Now, let's move up, guard your heart, the fifth one here, guard your heart. We, I could speak on this one all day, but I just say guard our conduct, guard the gospel, guard those who care. Uh, Lord, help, 85 times in the Proverbs, we see the word heart, the center of our emotions, and sometimes it's used synonymously with the heart, the mind and the heart, and God says guard it. Now, if if I ask you, what are the disciplines, what are the things you need to do? You go, man, I need to love God, I need to love others, I need to worship, I need to pray, I need to serve, I need to give, and those are all right. But hardly anybody ever says, I need to guard my heart. Because guarding your heart almost sounds selfish, but it's not. Guarding a heart leads to what? Purity. Write that down. It's just just a freebie. Guarding your heart leads to purity. Purity. Purity leads to more of the holiness of Christ. Out of the abundance of the heart, the overflow. Uh, God loves pure hearts. John Eldridge. Man, if if I say that, you know that name if you've ever been a reader and he wrote a lot of great books. But he uses this Fairweather Mountain illustration. I want you to listen. 20 days a year that sounds like my life. I think I see what's really going on about that often. The rest of the time it feels like a fog. I'd love to wake up each morning knowing exactly who I am and where God is taking me zeroed in on all my relationships undaunted in my calling it's awesome when i do see but for most of us life is more like driving with a dirty windshield i can make out the shapes ahead i think the light is green the description of the christian life shadowed in the new testament compared with the actual experience is embarrassing we look a little foolish like little children who's been held back a grade So what does much of our confusion result from? I would say this. It's not guarding our hearts. You know, I almost just spent the whole time just on this one thing. It's so critical. So I just pray that today, as as Jeff talked last weekend about uh, temptation, today as I'm speaking here about uh, Proverbs 4, I just, Lord, help us to be people that guard our hearts and help us to help others guard their hearts because we're concerned about their spiritual well-being we want them to be strong we want them to look like christ and we want to recognize the treasure of the heart we want to prioritize the task just write that in there prioritize the task of guarding the heart i mean if you don't guard your heart nobody else will when you were little your mama tried to guard your heart it was awesome and then something happened school And you went off and there were outside influences and forces so we have to learn that i can't always be under my mama or my daddy's care and father i need to learn how to guard my heart because i learned a long time ago i love this world but it's a big bad ugly evil world would anybody agree and you have to learn how to guard your heart because if you don't learn how to guard your heart, man, you'll just fall for things, and your life could be destructive, but yet God wants us to overcome. And, it, and, and, that, and if we don't have the limitation of a gardener heart, then we don't know purity, and we don't know the holiness of Christ. So, and so in that, I'll just say this, we have to minimize the trash, you know, the things that come in. It, it, I'm going to talk about our, our uh, when I talk about the eyes, I talk about the eye gate, the eye gate we all have gates. It's the gate to the soul is our eyes. We look out in creation and we behold the glory of God. We behold the wonder of God as we look at creation, as we look at one another. It's awesome. But also through these eyes, we can travel into sin and it begins to be that portal that that things come in and they attack us and they they come against us. So in, in the scripture here, he talks about The path of the righteous there in verse 18 is like the first gleam of dawn shining even brighter to the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like the deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them with your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. But look at verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring, the issues of life. That's what we've been talking about. But move on. The next verse, verse 24. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. And I'll spend time on our speech patterns in a few weeks, but it's just like, God, help us to be energized with the truth of Christ. Now, let's go to the sixth one quickly. I should be guarded against evil. Uh, That eye gate that I'm talking about, those influences that we uh, uh, visually get stimulated by or see, God's just like, I want you to guard your heart. I want you to guard your eyes. Matter of fact, I want you to turn over to uh job can you turn over to job it looks like jlb job so if you said job you're like you probably haven't been in the church very long that's okay that's cool it's job look at job 31 1 i made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl and god's just trying to help us uh, prepare our hearts and then another uh, psalm is 101 can you turn to psalm 101 and if you look at psalm 101 listen to this verse 3 I will set before my eyes no vile thing. So God's trying to capture our eye gate, that that portal that those influences could be pure and pleasing. And you remember how Satan got Eve to look at the forbidden fruit? And then she looked at the forbidden fruit, and then she went for the forbidden fruit, and then she got Adam to to participate in that. And they looked down, they looked away from God. It just got them in all kinds of trouble. So the eye gate is critical. And the seventh, look at this quickly. Biblical wisdom is God's principles applied that's what it is okay god you've given us the book you've given us the word and now it's not just enough and it's important to get bible knowledge okay but god somehow for my friends and me i want to know how to apply ancient literature living dynamic word of god infused into my life and theirs that I can be like Jesus, because the one that loves me will obey me, says Jesus. So every weekend we come, and I'm grateful. That's all I try to do is I try to hold up the Son of God to the Father. And I try to hold this book as a living word, that somehow we can embrace it and entertain it and live it. It's a living book. It lives and breathes. It gives strength. It gives comfort. It gives conviction. It gives direction. It gives peace. I pray peace today for you and me. Anybody need peace today? Anybody need peace today? Yeah. Guard your heart. Let's pray. Lord, I'm grateful for another Sunday morning to be with my friends. That, Lord in this uh, time of summer and rain and all that's going on, Lord, that people would just make their way over to the church and we would have a time of connecting with our friends and with you through worship and through the Word. And Lord, thank you for the church. Make the church strong. You love your bride so much. And Lord, make us people that love your Word that will begin to practice and do it like we've never done before. Lord, we want you to transform us Lord that's my prayer today would you transform me would you transform transform our faith family today God we need you we won't change and the only way I know that I get change is through a relationship with you Jesus in your living word come come Holy Spirit search out hearts and minds and do a new work today For Jesus Christ is Lord. You're welcome in this place until we gather again. Amen.